Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about all things tabletop role-playing games. And today we are talking about the goddess Sahanin Moonbow. One, two, three, four. Welcome adventurers to the Dungeon Cast. Hey Brian. Hey Will. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, and yourself? I'm doing quite well. Excellent. That's great. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Jasper for coming on last episode. Yes. I, I highly encourage you guys to go check out Three Black Halflings or the episode before. All the links are going to be in the that description, but just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. We had a great time. Yeah, it was a very fun conversational conversation, and uh, yeah, I had a blast. Yeah. So thanks again for coming on, Jasper. What are we doing today? Today we're talking about gods. God. In D&D, there's a god for everything. It's true. God of the sun, of war, of winter, of storms. And in some cases, there are more than one God claiming a thing as their own, such as the case today. And that thing is the moon. Mm -hmm. And those gods are two goddesses. <laughs> one we have covered, Saloon or Salune or Saluna, depending Saluni. on your preference. Or Saluni. I we, like will, that. we will be corrected. Salune. <laughs> <laughs> and one we are covering today. Uh-huh. Sahanin Moonbow. Yeah. Uh, could have racked up their own shout-out column, honestly, with the amount of times we've referenced them before oh, this episode. Yes, absolutely. Um, both are Forgotten Realms deities, uh, but Sahanin exists both in the 4th edition Pantheon as kind of a completely different thing, uh, but as well in as the Greyhawk Pantheon. Okay. Um, and this is something that I've just recently noticed in all these years of doing the show about the Forgotten Realms. Um I guess the reason I probably never noticed is because I'm not the biggest Forgotten Realms fan. Yeah. So, like, if I'm not specifically studying something for it, I don't know it. Right, right. But anyways, Forgotten Realms, as we all do know, has its own Faerunian pantheon. Yes. The, the classics of Salune, Shar, Bane, uh, Baal, uh, etc., um, which more or less depending on your opinion, can really be called the human pantheon, although that's a bit reductive. Um, but the reason I say that is because all of the specifically non-human humanoid pantheons, maybe not all of them, but a great deal of them, uh, the elven pantheon, the dwarven pantheon, halfling and gnomish pantheon, mm -hmm. um, they are all straight lifts from Greyhawk. Right. We like Greyhawk on the show. And I do. Yeah, I like Greyhawk yeah. at least. And, and you're saying you like it. We like Greyhawk on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I just find it interesting because it makes me scratch my head a little bit and wonder about like the nature of of these crossover deities across official settings, right? So it's like Corallon Lorethian is a greater deity in Forgotten Realms in exactly the same way that he is in Greyhawk, and they have basically a very aligned lore and mythos. Not maybe not exact, but it just makes me wonder like, is Corallon Lorethian just like leaps and bounds more powerful than say like Bane or Shar, who are kind of confined to the one, the one. Oh, official I setting, see what you're you know saying. What I mean? Yeah. Like, like huh. What is the nature of these uh, these gods that that do cross over these major settings? Versus You're saying the ones is that this don't. is this the same god in this universe as in Greyhawk? Is it? Yeah, and they're yeah. just monitoring both, and they're getting right. all the prayers from both. Yeah, I was thinking. Is it? Uh, yeah, I uh, I think I don't know if it's the player's handbook or the DMG where it says that the mult when you create a world in the D and D universe, it, it's it's part of the greater multiverse of D and D. Right. So the Forgotten Realms you play in is your specific Forgotten Realms, and it doesn't have to be oh, yeah, the I'll, lore specific of this. I want to say that's a DMG. I think so. Either way, I know about, I know the section you're talking about. It's about sure. to, being an, uh, the arbiter of your world, right? right, right. So it's probably the DMG. Yeah. And and that's. I mean, so I, I look at it more like, you know, is this Superman from Earth 151 or 653 sure. or whatever the fuck? Yeah, you know, and, it, and it could be like that as well. Yeah. Like I said, I don't have any answers, but it, it does make me ask some questions. True. Yeah. Um, we need a, a written, we need it in writing. Is it one way or the other? <laughs> so today's episode is where D&D deities get a bit messy and multiversal on top of stepping on each other's domains. But regardless, I am very happy to be covering Sahanin Moonbow. I didn't mention this before, but... This is actually a patron-voted topic, so the patrons voted for this. They they nominated it, and then it got voted in, and it was a very, very narrow win. Against 4th Edition Against Explained. Against 4th Edition Explained. The it fighter was, that won't stay down. <laughs> one of the two fighters that won't stay down. The other is the dungeon building. Oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah. That, I'm excited when that one wins, too. Yeah, but this this topic won by 1%. If you want to get in on that, what Will's talking about with voting, mm -hmm. uh, we do that on Patreon.com slash TheDungeonCast. You can go support us there. Any tier level, you get to participate in this nomination process that becomes a poll um so yeah you can go do that indeed uh i've said it on the show before but it's probably been a long time since i said it last so i'll say it again it's been a while sahani moonbow is my favorite goddess period mm, yeah and my second favorite deity overall narrowly uh being beaten out by the platinum dragon himself bahamut he's so swole he's so swole he's so, so strong so thick he's also so dope He's right here. He's right you know, here. Uh, for YouTube <laughs> YouTubers, he's uh, taking up the mantle of our fallen dragon turtle. Indeed. Um, much like her Faerunian counterpart, Saluna, uh, Sahanin Moonbow is pretty much everything you want out of a deity. At least if you're an elf, because she's very focused on elves. But for elves, she's super chill, super kind, uh, just like a good deity, great power set, great teachings, etc. cetera. Uh, but to top it off, she's also kind of a total badass. And in that way, she's like best bro Bahamut, who himself is just a really dope dude, but also don't forget he's a fucking platinum dragon. Right. Um, Fuck you up. Yes. Sunin Moonbow uh, has similar energy. And so let's get into it. It's giving power deity vibes for sure. Yeah. So Sahanin Moonbow, the daughter of the night skies, goddess of moonlight, the lunar lady, moonlit mystery, the mystic seer, the luminous cloud, and lady of dreams, is chaotic good, is the chaotic good elven goddess of death, dreams, heavens, journeys, the moon, moon elves, stars, <laughs> and transcendence. It's a lot. She's got a, a lot, lot going stuff. on. A lot yeah. going on. Wait till you, oh, there's, there's way more than this. Okay. 
Um, she is the second most powerful member of the Seldarine, which is the elfin pantheon, mm -hmm. uh, after only Coralon himself. She governs divinations, omens, and subtle magics and protects against madness. She watches over the dreams of the elves, keeping them from harm while in reverie uh, and sending omens to protect them from future dangers. Sahanin watches over the passage of elven spirits from the world, and she's the protectress of the dead. That's cool. She's she's stopping evil deities from collecting your monetary soul. Indeed. And she is stopping the effects of those de those evil entities from fucking up your brain. Indeed. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely that's right. pretty awesome. Yeah. Is that uh, a thing you would impl if you're doing a like a demons or devils campaign where madness or a far realm campaign where madness mm -hmm. is a thing and you have a honey moonbow cleric like are they going to be better off? Probably, right? Like, oh yeah, against definitely. madness. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah, absolutely. How do you incorporate that in the game? Because there's the madness Ooh. chart. Like, okay, where mechanically you're speaking. Yeah, mm, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to think about it, but yeah, I would, I would develop some sort of like, maybe extra save or extra. Yeah, advantage on save or, seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, advantage all the time at least seems like a lot. But I would definitely have to. I'd have to cook something up. But I would cook something up. Mm. Sahanin is most often portrayed as a youthful yet ageless female elf wearing a diaphanous gown made of moonbeams. Okay, uh, in, sick. In combat, she wields moonshaft, a quarterstaff, uh, not a bow, surprisingly. <laughs> I don't know why. There's never a bow actually in her lore, but her last name is Moonbow. Uh, maybe Moonbend, like Moonbow, you know, like rather than a weapon, a like. And maybe it's Moonbow. Yeah, staff hey. is but a bow of a tree branch could be that. Except for bow is spelled differently. <laughs> yeah, isn't that b o u g h? Yeah, this yeah. is this is bow and but a bow like a bend like uh like how light bends. That's true. Maybe no, you, it's that. You, maybe you're right. Maybe, I actually really like that. Uh, her serenity surrounds her like a mantle of moon dust. It is said that the moonbeam drops uh, her passage leaves behind can be bottled as potions of invisibility. Uh, another mm -hmm. depiction of Sahanin, which uh, portrays the fluidity of gender among elven deities, is that of a willowy male elf with eyes that show a sense of melancholy and tenderness. <laughs> Sahanin Moonbow is a, a Twitch streamer that bottles your bath water for you to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's turned me invisible, guys. I paid a lot of money for this on eBay. <laughs> so her power waxes and wanes with the phases of the moon, much like Salune does, uh, growing strongest when the moon is full. As befits the elven goddess of mysteries, Sahanin is cloaked in secrets and illusions and rarely speaks her mind directly, preferring to communicate through a process of dreams, visions, and other mystic experiences. Uh, the goddess of moonlight is truly a spiritual and ephemeral being who evades any attempt to define her. Um, which makes sense. She's she's not just chaotic good, but she's from Arvandor and Arborea, which is like the plane of chaotic goodness. So chaos is very inherent in hers and Corlons and all the Saldarians being. That's cool. And uh, the gods do def defy uh, definition. It is kind of chaotic for you to decipher dreams. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, like, it, it's supposed to be difficult for your gods to directly communicate with non like clerics and stuff right it depends on your setting it's like it a barrier between planes that implies that it's difficult if it's difficult for a devil or a demon to transcend planes mm -hmm. it should be 
equally difficult it's for It's definitely not like a one for one straightforward. Like yeah, there's steps yeah. that have to be taken. Like maybe I'm trying to tell you a thing and it just like gets diluted through that barrier until it is a dream. Maybe. <laughs> it, yeah. Makes it, it, to your... it really does depend on setting because for even Forgotten Realms, there have been times in Forgotten Realms where gods can just directly show up and be like, yo, what the fuck? And but now at the current uh timeline where we're at now uh, Ao has like kind of put a stop to that and basically made it so you can't really directly my everything dad yeah, everything yeah. dad is like nah so okay yeah. so uh, yeah all right that makes that makes sense to me again okay mm, okay the one thing that is pretty defined about Sahanin is that she is a very protective deity towards elves uh, she sends omens to keep her people from danger crafts illusions around elven hideouts like Evermeet and Myth uh, Dralis and organizes the journeys for elves to these lands. I think some people might find it strange that, you know, a goddess of her power level is just so acutely focused on one particular race of people. Yeah. Um, and I can kind of understand that. But one thing you have to understand specifically when it comes to elves is that these people are very, very much literally her children. Like, yeah, this is literally like her the, family. The blood yeah. of yeah. the god, right? And like, yeah. And she's known these souls since as far back as even she can remember because these souls are are recycled or what whatever however yeah. you want to phrase it and like yeah it's 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 a very personal and powerful emotion and tie she has to elves and that elves tend to have towards each other if you're going by the lore as written yeah because other like uh other goddesses and gods they kind of blanket power whoever's going to worship yeah right? exactly yeah. but like um, there's Elven and Dwarven pantheons and halfling pantheons for a reason. A reason. Yeah, exactly. So um, the daughter of the night skies is also a guardian and guide to those elves whose days in the mundane world of mortals are done and who seek to travel from the lands they know and love to distant refuges such as Evermeet. Uh, she also watches over such refuges and ensures they are kept safe from intrusion. Sehanin governs long, governs long journeys, both physical and spiritual. And in elven cultures that proclaim the reality of reincarnation, Sehanin and Coralon work together to guide the spirit to its best subsequent incarnation as it works its way towards perfection. Cool. Like that. Evermeet is the place the souls go and get come back Ooh, or what? Evermeet's a tough one to explain because I only understand it so much myself, but it's it is a, a place, it is kind of an analog to the western shores in Lord of the Rings. Where, okay. Where the elves they reach a point where they need to leave. Mm -hmm. Um in Lord of the Rings, that point is kind of self-imposed on them. Um it's coming for all of them. But uh in D and D, it's more like it's part of the life cycle, so it'll eventually get to you once you get old enough. Yeah, you gotta go recharge um, your spirit energy over there or whatever. Yeah, what it sounds like I, I, I don't want to speak too much on Evermeet because it's just not a point of expertise for me. But from what I've read, it feels kind of like the intermediate point between venturing eventually your soul getting to Arvander. Mm -hmm. But, but I'm pretty sure Evermeet is not an Arvander. It's like a physical location. Okay. Um, but we will do an Evermeet episode, and when we do that episode, I will have researched and known know everything about it. Sounds great. <laughs> right. I'm good. So Sahanin is quite an aloof deity, and apart from the aforementioned deeds, uh, she keeps herself apart from the happenings of Tyrell. So this is even uh, pre-AO 
drawing a line in the sand saying, y'all need to stop. So Nadine's like, I never was, bro. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, she keeps herself apart from, oh yeah, preferring instead to allow her worshipers find their own way and their own answers in life, only interceding directly in times of true need or peril. As a general rule, she does not speak in a direct manner. Instead, she uses dreams and visions to relay information. Um, her dogma is as follows. Life is a series of mysteries. Follow your goals and seek your own destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the spirit transcends its mortal bounds and new mysteries are uncovered, a higher form is achieved as the cycle of life continues. Through contemplation and meditation, communion with the Lady of Dreams is achieved. Rev- revere the mysterious moon who draws forth tides or being from all of us. Uh, keep to the shadows. Avoid the blazing light of zealous good and the utter, utter darkness of evil. Uh, seek new horizons and new experiences and let nothing tie you down. Yeah, my uh, my acolyte of Sun, Honey, and Moonbow is at like a festival handing out moon stickers. Like, revere the moon. Revere the moon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the moonlit goddess also encourages her worshippers to seek out, excavate magical lore, especially ones concerning divination and illusion magic. Cool. Um, Sun, Honey, and Moongo- Moonbow is a good way to have a good aligned cleric take the trickery domain because it's still very much in her domain that's good that's a good uh thing to bring up for mm-hmm. for player option yeah so Hanin rarely has strong opinions of enmity she but she despises the undead and her followers make it their duty to destroy these beings um this makes sense in that like she's the arbiter of elven souls and takes her responsibility of guiding them through the, the reincarnation process very seriously so the undead thing completely goes against that right you don't want a dead man's chest situation where like that soul's not going where it needs to go right you know you you know yeah she's intolerant towards necromancy in general with the sole exceptions being the practice of the creation of bale norn liches which she wouldn't tolerate if it was not deemed necessary quick recap on bale norn liches which we did talk about in the liches episode a thousand years ago oh my god bale norns are elves who choose a path of prime like prime material plane bound duty beyond death which closely resembles lichdom uh they often do so to serve or safeguard their families communities or important places and act as keepers and protectors of elven clans and holdings far beyond the lifespan of a living elf okay they're like quote-unquote good liches yeah they make a sacrifice to like what would that be they would like represent be represented as like a spirit of the forest or like they you know the, Um, the protector of this town they show up physically like a lich would yeah, they show up physically like a lich would, but yeah, they're they're gonna guard like really sacred, important places, like places that are so important or things that are so important for other people to not get their hands on that like a uh, elf is willing to sacrifice their place in the reincarnation line and be a permanent safeguard here. Yeah, like um like an item or like the body of somebody important or sure. like uh you know, sacred ritual ground. Sure. Yeah. Any okay. of those things are candidates for sure. So that is the rundown of Sahanin's personality and dogma. But as a goddess, a few words, it is her actions which definitely speak the loudest. And I think the best way to gain an understanding of the elven moon goddess is through telling of her story mm. or her history, if you will. So how Sahanin Moonbow came to be originally is unclear. One theory posited is that she, like all the elven pantheon, were born directly from Corlon's divinity. Uh, another follows that she, along with the other elven deities, were the greatest and most prominent of the primal elves born from Corlon's blood during the, his battle with Grumpsh, god of the orcs. 
this primal elf origin, though, is found only in 5e's Mordenkind and Tome of Foes book, which, although I found to be a pretty excellent book, has been relegated to legacy content, and its canonization is dubious at best and is likely being outright pushed aside until something official comes so out. So weird. It's a great book. It is a great book, but... It's not the only book. Uh, Volo's Guide has also been pushed to Legacy, and uh, there's a lot of Legacy books. It's true, um, yeah. That I don't, I don't get it. And I, I can't remember exactly where I read it. It might be in the little uh, warning notification, but they do say specifically that lore, not just mechanics, but lore also in this book is not considered up to date. And the, so demon, the demon lords all get a page in there, and it's like fucking sick. And yeah, I don't know. I know. I know. So anyways, but I wanted to add that like I'm not so so I told the origin story of the elves of in the Corallon and Eladrin episodes in detail, that specific one. Um and that was when Morning Kind of Somophos was still pretty new and and very much the new canon. I'm gonna leave we're not we're not gonna touch on any of that moving forward for the rest of this episode. Okay. Uh, because of the whole legacy content thing and because almost everything about that version of the tale does run completely counter to everything else that was ever written before. Okay. Um, still, if you want that version, check out the Coralon episode and the Eladrin episodes because they both touch heavily on that topic. So whatever the truth of Sahanin's coming into existence, it is widely accepted among all elves that Elvenkind originated from a mixture of Coralon's blood and Sahanin's tears. <laughs> As such, she is the mother of elves and venerated alongside Coralon in the highest regard. But her role in elven history far from ends with their creation. It is said that she and Arashni, later known as Loth, were rivals over the favor of Coralon. Uh, Corlon would originally come to favor Arashni and the two wed, but over time Arashni's lust for power would lead her to betray Corlon and all of Elfkind. In secret, Arashni cursed Corlon's scabbard so that his magic sword Sahandrian would shatter in his impending battle with Grumsh. Um, indeed, in the battle, the legendary sword did shatter and Corlon was almost slain by the orc god. Uh, he narrowly escaped with his life as Grumsh pursued him all the way to the heavenly realms of Arvandor. Yeah, his sword breaks. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, he's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that's my sword. Yeah. I made that sword. It should never break. Right. Um, but it broke. Um, but it did, though. But it did, though. It was Sahanin who learned of Arishni's treachery as these deeds were done under the cover of night when Sahanin's moonlight sees all it touches. And it was Sahanin who arrived to rescue Coralon from certain death. She reforged the legendary blade from her own divine essence when at the height of her power, when the full moon was at its highest, mm -hmm. uh, she faced off with the one-eyed orc god as Coralon regathered his sword in his strength and together they drove him off. That's cool. That's the first cool thing she did. So yeah. like Saloon, Saluni, would she, like, would they split full moon power? Great question. Or are they I, both just like full moon? We're at full power, baby. Yeah. High five. Yeah. Moon they buddies. are allies. They are allies. They're moon buddies. Um, Got it. There was a time during fourth edition where they, again, they, they tried to, to reconcile all the stuff going on during that time. And they made Sahanin uh, merely an aspect of Salune. But then they, you know, summarily... Uh, undid that when fifth edition came out. So. Yeah, like so many things. Like so many things. Uh, our fourth edition explain episode is actually just going to be us scrubbing the dungeon cast catalog for every, for every clip of yeah, because Will true. has explained it and across our entire catalog easily. It's, it's extraordinarily true, <laughs> except for the mechanics, which I, I will. That's except for the mechanics, thing. it never comes up really. Yeah. Except well, daily yeah. sometimes they come up. Um, in, if the fourth edition explained episode ever does come out, I will focus. Uh, Obviously, you're gonna get your the lore bit, 
but it's going to be primarily like mechanics, history, public reaction, and legacy. Like how does that go? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I have the character builder, the offline one on my computer. I'm sure you do. I use it all the time. I'm sure you do. <laughs> all right. So later, Sahanin <laughs> confronted Arush, Arushni in her palace, but but did so very foolishly during daylight when she was at her weakest. I was trapped by Arushni's powerful weaves of magic and imprisoned by Arushni's son, Veyrun. While imprisoned, Arushni put into effect her secondary plan for her takeover. Um, she amassed an alliance of all the Elven Pantheon's enemies to attack Arvandor. Maglubiet and the Goblin Pantheon, Grumsh and the Orcish Pantheon, an elder evil named uh, Gwandar. Gondar? Apparently, well, he's like a news god. Um, a news god? An, an ooze god. Oh, an ooze god. god. I'm god of the news. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight um, in Faerun. Yeah, right, no, right, I'm not doing this. No, he's an ooze god. <laughs> okay. Um... And apparently Oril, goddess of winter, was in on this fight too. Hey, okay, it's She's fucking, like, I fucking hate elves too. Melee. Uh, there's also ogre deities present. Um, Sick. Whoever so just, they are. Like just the League of Evil villains. Yeah. Um, yeah. And basically the play was whoever, like whoever was free that day. Yeah, whoever was free <laughs> that day. The play was no one's gonna suspect her because what they're gonna see is like an alliance of all our enemies. Like ah. all, all our enemies have, have come to our doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um the alliance was calculated by Arashni to be powerful enough to make the battle hard fart, fart but <laughs> hard fart. Keeping it, we're not no, cutting this. No, you gotta cut that. Hard farts. Uh, the alliance was calculated by Arashni to be powerful enough to make the battle hard fought, but not so strong as to actually defeat the elves. Uh huh. Instead, her plan was to ensure Corlon's death during the fray, leaving a power vacuum that she would easily then fill. Okay, I mean, that sounds like bad dungeon mastering to me. I mean, Lolf sucks. Let's just say it right here. Lolf sucks. She sucks. Lolf do suck. Roshni's plan played out accordingly. She cursed Coraline's sword again, the new one. <laughs> this time making it undrawable from a sheath. So instead of breaking, it's like, okay, well, now you just can't use it. I can't get it out. <laughs> I can't get my sword up. She then also weaved magic upon her daughter, Elastrae, um, her arrow specifically, causing them to be drawn away from her intended target, the ogre god about to kill her swordless dad, who was about to be also being swallowed by Gondar at the same time. So Corlon's on the battlefield. He's fighting. Suddenly there's an ooze monster coming up that he's never seen before that is powerful enough to start binding him, a greater deity. Uh-huh. And then, at the worst timing possible, as he's trying to get his sword out, an ogre god shows up about to kill him, and he can't move because he's stuck in the ooze. Okay. Right? Elastrae, she sees this. She's like, gotta save my dad. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot this ogre dude in the head. Her mom cursed her arrows, and instead the arrows veer off and into her dad's chest. Oh, no. So, um... <laughs> Nat one. Yeah, Nat one. Shoot your dad. Uh, so other gods... Uh, mainly Eredrafiania specifically intervenes at this point by fucking murderizing this ogre. <laughs> also knocking Elastrae out like a single blow because she's like, Elastrae just betrayed her dad. I saw her shoot her dad. Oh, right. right? Yeah. So, you know, Lolth is murking the waters here. Mm-hmm. She's she's definitely got her web is being... Damn, mean. you just shoot your dad and you're like, oh, fuck, how did I do that? And then you get knocked the fuck out. Not by your auntie. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I deserve um, this. <laughs> So where was I? So as Corallon slipped out of consciousness, he realized in that moment, too late, the orchestration of Arashi's treachery. Basically, he does the mental math, and nothing makes sense except for one thing. 
Arashni did this. And then literally in the book, by the way, a lot of this is in a novel. In the book, he looks over her and she's just grinning from teeth to teeth. Like she's just like, finally, I'm about to wait. He's like, fuck, I fucked up. (laughs) So anyways, uh, but even this did not permanently kill the elf father, only incapacitated him to such a degree that none in all of Orvander could heal him. So Arashni planned to slowly poison Corlon until this unconscious state became just his permanent slumber. Okay. So like, too powerful to him. kill, but we're going to steal him away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but before she was able to slip uh, Corallon the poison, a ray of moonlight sharp as a stiletto struck with lightning speed, shattering Arashni's dream of victory and dashing the vial from her fingers. Sahanin had arrived. At great cost, and this cost, by the way, never explained. It just says, at great cost, she sacrificed something big to get out of that cage. She was. She had to cancel D&D. <laughs> Yeah, and that she absolutely. already ordered a pizza. Yep, that's exactly it. She's got all this pizza and no one to eat it. Uh, <laughs> it's just getting cold at her house. She couldn't even wait for it to get there. They left it on the porch. Super mad. Um, Sunny had arrived at Great Cause. She had freed herself from Arashni's prison. In her rage, Arashni cursed curses Sahanin with words so vile, all the elven deities draw away from her. Uh, Sahanin then accuses openly. Arashni of her treachery and laid out all she knew to her peers, everything that had happened up to that point. Then Sahanin beckoned forth her two sister goddesses, Eredrefania, elven goddess of the wind, and Hanali Selenil, elven goddess of beauty and love. We talked about her in the Sune episode. Um, and their divine aspects merged into a greater goddess. I'm going to do my best on this one. Angarad. Ang Ang Angharad. Angarada. Angharad. Angarada. <laughs> I'm going with Angharad or Ang Angharad. 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 I like that. Yeah, Angharad. So Angharad, the triune goddess, led by Sahanin, but made up of all three goddesses, healed Korolon, who rose from his slumber and immediately proceeded to put Arashni on trial for her betrayal. Arashni was renamed Loth, declared a demon by Corlon, proceeded to transform into a giant spider monster, and was banished to the abyss by Corlon. <laughs> His eyes flick open. To court? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of what happens. He says something like, I call the court together of the Sundari. Oh, shit, yeah, for he real? literally <laughs> wakes up and says some shit like that. He was having good. And everyone's like, oh, fuck. He's having planning dreams. Yeah, exactly. He so had the whole case already written He was up. ready to go. Yeah. So the story of what immediately followed the aftermath of this event is not detailed anywhere that I could find. But we know that Sahanin is widely regarded as Coralon's wife. But so is Angharad, the triune goddess, who is also considered the queen and ruler of all of our Vandor. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I think it makes sense for both of these things to be true because the source book, Demi-Human Deities, states that not only that Angharad is an alias of Sahanin Moonbow, but, and I quote, Sahanin is both the primary aspect of Angharad and one of the three elven goddesses, uh, the other two being Henley Senelil uh, and Eredrefania, who collectively form the triune goddess. This duality uh, tightly binds Sahanin to the two other elven goddesses, and the three collectively serve alongside Corlon in leading the Soldarine. Okay. So I, I, I see. She's like, she's a super greater deity at yeah. this point when she I'm, does this. I'm three goddesses. Yeah. Basically, Corlon's like the star of his own harem anime, basically. Right. And he, he made it, and he thought it would be cool. He's like, what if my one wife was three wives that could become one wife? So when I'm arguing with one of them... <laughs> anyway... 
Well, think about it. The, the whole fight I just explained was just a bunch of women fighting over him in it's a way. It's true. And he's like oozed up. And he was super oozed up. He's like, yeah, fuck Did it. I tell you my favorite anime Stenchi Muyo? Yes, you, you have told me. He's like, yeah, fuck I will it. defend that opinion, by the way. Punch my daughter. Punch her. She shot me. Just kidding. We're going to resolve this later. So there's also you me, made me play in your D and D homebrew where we did a whole Tenchi Muyo. Arc. I did, we did. <laughs> Everyone should watch Super Quest Saga. <laughs> there's also a prevailing theory. That, <laughs> what an endorsement of that game. Okay, <laughs> there's also a prevailing theory that Angarad was always a singular goddess that always existed, and that Sahanin and the other two goddesses are merely aspects of her, with Sahanin being the primary aspect, and Eredre and Hanali being the two lesser aspects. Uh, but make of that what you will. Okay, let's take a short rest. Okay, it's the grand adventures of Ilian and Beard. It sure is cold this early in the morning, Ilian. Why did we have to leave before dawn? No reason. Stop asking so many questions. Okay, okay, one of these days. Anyway, uh, it was a, this, this was a great town. It had a lot of great, wonderful shops, and we helped a lot of people, it seems. Indeed we did. We found all the, the, the goods and products that we required. Yeah, and I, I felt like everyone was really trustworthy, and, and we do have, you have so many spears strapped to your back. You look, you look I epic. really do. You look I really awesome. Do. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, it's odd. You know what doesn't look awesome, though? That horde of, I think it's orcs, like, way out in the distance. What are you talking about? Oh my gosh! There's just a lot, and they're There's an entire horde of orcs marching upon this town! Yeah, that's, that sucks. A lot. What, what are we gonna do? Well, I I don't think we have time. It's really early. I don't think we have time to like raise the town guard or anything. No, it, that's that's too far back. You think we could take them? I don't think I have enough spell slots. I could bewilder them in my usual way. <laughs> Not on this commercial, please. Uh, okay, okay. Well, what, then what are we gonna do? Wait, who's that up on the cliffside there? And look, there's two more. Ben. I believe we are about to witness the unfolding of the prophecy of Shopify. Is a prophecy? Indeed there is. Oh, okay. What? What is it? Look to my coming at first light on the fifth day at dawn. Look to the east and you will see three anonymous merchants powered by the power of Shopify and they shall save the day. That's incredible. They're here. It's very specific. It is. It's incredibly specific. Indeed they are. And look, they're holding forth the items of Shopify, which I had bestowed upon them. I use the orb of Shopify to enhance your abilities to land attacks 36% more accurately. Oh, I feel so much more I'm powerful. I'm with strength, the strength of accuracy. It's just like how Shopify's checkout converts 36% better than other e-commerce platforms. I'm about to convert some pain onto these orcs. I can <laughs> feel it in my bones. At a 36% better exchange rate. That's right. I use the wand of Shopify to manipulate the battlefield to your advantage. Oh, look, the, the, there's like a slope happening. Oh my and, god, the orcs are all falling down the slope. They've, they've customized the battlefield in the same way that Shopify lets you customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. They're getting really tired trying to run up that slope. That's going to give us a huge advantage. It's incredible. I use the Shopify mirror of unlimited scale to increase your scale 
indefinitely. I'm so large and powerful. Well, you don't you don't look it, but I can feel what you're feeling, and it feels like we can do whatever we want at whatever scale we choose. In the same way that Shopify lets business owners grow as big as they want to and never have to worry about replatforming again. Ah, it's like I never have to worry about resting again. I can just attack infinitely at 36% better conversion rates and with a, a battlefield that has been manipulated to our advantage. It's like we can't lose. Indeed, not with Shopify on our side. Thank you, merchants of Shopify. With your powers, we shall surely become victorious and save this wonderful town of anonymous merchants. Oh, they're vanished. They're gone. They vanished. Indeed they are. Let's go kick some ass. Let's do it. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. 
Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We've returned. Indeed we have. We're fucking back. Indeed we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and what did Ilian, what, Ilian and Beard have been on a side quest for in the name of Shopify. <laughs> and they might have finished today. They did, I think. We'll or see. at least for now. For now, um, I don't know. Are we are we going to do more Shopify stuff? I guess we'll find out. I don't know. Uh, I know the dynamic ads play Shopify, so um, on top of that, but yeah, um, very cool. We're going to get back to uh, Ilian Beard's normal thing when um, they're not, uh, you know, sequestered with ads that they have to go help uh, <laughs> all these side quests, all these merchants. They, <laughs> how do they not know how to shop good? Thank God for Shopify. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> if you want more Ilian and Beard content, you can go to patreon.com slash the dungeon cast. I've compiled, there's an Ilian and Beard tier called a tier in space, and I've compiled a lot of their, uh, adventures into audio files, at least 20 of them. And, uh, you can go listen to them straight through. Um, there's also going to be, uh, something up in Patreon, in that tier in Patreon. It's like, a like a discussion episode, but we're role-playing Ilian and Beard, um, we got to do that today. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so let's get through. Um, yeah, alien and beard stuff. It's it's fluid. I don't know when it'll be back. Maybe next episode. We'll the see. The main quest. We'll see. We'll see. So Sunny's uh, Sunny Mumbo's realm is in Arvandor. Um, it, it really it is Arvandor in a way, but um, Arvandor is a layer uh, or is found on the layer of the same name within the plane of Arborea. Excuse me. The chaotic good aligned outer plane. The crescent grove, also called the many splendored, uh, is the great palace of Arvandor and the divine realm of Corlon Rethian and Sahani Moonbow. Elves have a lot of cool named stuff. They do. They get a lot of special treatment. Yeah. Indeed, they, yeah. <laughs> um, the crescent grove is at the center of the Sildarian's joint realm of Arvandor. The palace is an ever-changing blend of nature and art, combining an architecture of white marble pillars and walkways with enormous white barked trees. You're going to note. Yeah, I was going to say, saga. go watch Super Quest go Saga. Watch Super Quest Saga if you want to see a lot of this stuff, I'm but fucking, in space. I'm fucking triggered right now. <laughs> I know you. Uh, well, the elves are the bad guy in Super Quest Saga. Spoilers. Exactly, yeah. So, um, Imagine all this stuff, but bad. Yeah. But also the same. <laughs> but also very but similar. But also bad. Many turrets extend out from the main spire in a confusing yet beautiful way. Many petitioners of Arvandor uh, spend their time here, reflecting in quiet contemplation and enjoying some undisturbed solitude. The tower resonates with the presence of its deities. <clears throat> Inside the tower, the appearance of the rooms is ever-changing. They are decorated with numerous elvish works of art, both beautiful and terrible. Only the throne room at the center remains constant. <clears throat> 
At the center of the palace stands a rising tower with crystal windows called the Overlook. It offers a breathtaking view of the entire realm and even into the prime worlds that are home to elves. The palace's throne room is named Wisdom's Height. As an annual event, visitors can gain an audience with Coralon and Sahanin themselves here. Interesting. <clears throat> okay. Sahanin has excellent relations with all of the Sildarin, and it is her kind-heartedness that soothes the anger of Severash, the elven deity of revenge and loss in his darkest fury, and her welcoming nature that brings Sven Morel, the elven god of outcasts and isolationalists, back to Arvander on occasion. Wow, this pantheon is way bigger than I remember. Yeah, there's like eight or nine. Oh my maybe gosh. more. It's yeah. a lot. And then there's the Dark Soldarine, which is like Lolth and the four people that got dragged down with her. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, not as not as meaty as, <laughs> not as this meaty. stuff. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um the daughter of the night skies has few strong relationships outside of the Soldarine, for her otherworldliness is beyond even most other deities. Uh, but she does work closely with Salune. For the two share similar concerns, and the goddess of moonlight is a strong ally of Elastrae, whom she considers an adopted daughter. Um, Sahanin has also forged alliances with some of the other humanoid powers who oversee death, but she has no tolerance for those who practice in the black arts of necromancy. Yeah, she she's making it very clear on death is a no-go. No, no ghosts allowed. No-go. Uh, Sahanin's antipathy for Loth has existed since the latter was Arashni, consort of Korolan and the mastermind who nearly engineered the death of the Protector and the defeat of the Soldarin. Uh, the Lady of Dreams actively opposes the nefarious schemes of the Spider Queen and the other drow powers. With the rise of humanity and its rapacious expansion into traditional elven homelands, Sahanin has found her energies increasingly occupied by thwarting the destructed ravages of gods such as Oril, Sirik, Malar, Talos, and Umber Lee. Uh, Sahanin rarely concerns herself directly with the events in the realms, aside from weaving illusions around secret elven retreats such as Evermeet, Sonoria, Rhysian Zan and Mithdralis and guiding elves coming to those lands. They just need a, a big eclectic uh, like spread of places to vacation, I guess, because they live so long. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> Although Sehanin is venerated by all elf kind, including half-elves, and many among the Fae, she's particularly revered by moon elves who view her as their protector and gold elves who are the most withdrawn from the world of all the elven races. Uh, elves seeking to explore transcendental mysteries, awaiting passage to Evermy or Arvander, or undergoing physical or spiritual journeys, pray to the goddess of moonlight, as do mystics, seers, diviners, and weavers of illusions. <clears throat> the Church of Sahanin is generally perceived as removed from the daily concerns and outward expression of everyday life. As such, little is known of the Lady of Dreams and her clergy members by the non-elves um, of the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Among elves, Sahanin's faith is closely held and deeply cherished, for the luminous cloud envelops and binds together all elf kind. For them, Sahanin embodies the joy at the heart of the elven spirit, and her priests serve as guides to the next world or life that one may achieve through transcendence. Cool. Sahanin's temples are soaring monuments constructed of white stone, often marble, and shapes so as to suggest eminent flight. Symmetry and circles are highly prized by the faith reflected in the architecture of Sahanin's houses of worship. The central chapel is always perfectly circular, and it's usual, usually open to the night sky or covered by a retractable or transparent dome. Great gardens and hedgerow mazes often encircle the main structure. Their formations... Uh, 
imitating the paths of the heavenly bodies in the night sky above. Uh, near long-standing temples, uh, megaliths form great stone circles for use in tracking the positions of the moon, fixed stars, and wandering stars by elven astrologers. Feels like there's so <clears throat> much different kinds of inspiration for building this like elven pantheon and all yeah. the elven kind of yeah. style stuff they do. Well, I would say yes, and also I think that makes sense because elf elf stuff in D&D goes all the way back to 1974 when this thing first started. So there's probably more written about elves and different elves in different settings than almost any other topic in the, in the game, right? Yeah, elves used to be the popularity of tieflings today. <clears throat> yes, most definitely. Yeah. Yes. I don't know, are tieflings still super popular? I feel like they kind of are. I think huh? they, they they are so and so are Asamar. Yeah, people people really like both those those races. Yeah, so there's like for like 30 years they're Funnily. just writing a bunch of elf stuff because it's the coolest stuff. I'm running a game for a bunch of newbies. Uh we just played last night. We got a tiefling, an Asamar and two elves on the party. Oh, and a fairy. Oh, okay, cool. At least yeah. there's a fairy there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, very popular races. <laughs> what are you doing about the tiny, the tiny size category for that race? Is that affecting Nothing you so at all? Far. No, not at all. Okay, yeah. I mean, It'll she come. did almost die, but not because she's small. Okay, because she's level one. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what happens. Yeah. So novices of Sahanin are known as the Moon Called. Full priests of the Daughter of the Night Skies are known as the Heavenly. In ascending order of rank, the titles used by Sahanite uh, priests are. Stargazer, Moon Dancer, Sky Seer, Vision Seeker, Omen Teller, Dream Walker, Transcendentalist, and Reverent Dreamer. High-ranking priests have unique individual titles. Oh, joy. Oh, yeah. Specialty priests are known as Star Singers. I mean, if you're really getting into the lore here, you're going to have all this prepped. Is there any crossover between, like, stone giants in this stuff? Like, the walkers? Um, Dreamwalkers. There's literally Dreamwalker here. I think yeah. that's what they're called. Right? They're not related though. Would they? They'd be chill though, huh? They'd probably be. You chill. know, I think that you would be. I think today we brought. Hey, welcome to our TED Talk. Welcome to TED Talk of our our guest speaker today. It's uh, Big Stone, <laughs> Stone Giant Tom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Sahan Sahanites would be somewhat fascinated by a Stone Giant's like perception that all of reality above. The surface is a dream. Right. Um, I think they'd have some interesting takes on that. I love stone giants. Uh, yeah, I like stone giants too, although, you know, obviously I'm a storm giant fan, but yeah. Those are very cool. <laughs> they are cool. Sunnine's priests are the seers and mystics of elven society. They serve as the spiritual counselors to elves and half-elves who seek to embark on journeys in search of an enlightenment so as to transcend their current state of being. As shepherds and protectors of the dead, Sahanin's priests organize and administer funeral rites and guard the remains of the fallen. They seek out and destroy undead creatures, for Sahanin holds such creatures to be blasphemous. As defenders of elven homelands, Sahanin's clergy are responsible for weaving and maintaining the illusions that guard those sanctuaries that remain and for divining potential threats to their continued existence. The prime task of adventuring priests is the retrieval of lost arcane and magical knowledge, especially if it pertains to illusions and or divinations. Yep, staying in, staying in their lane. Yep, Sahanin's faithful celebrate a wide variety of, of holy days, all of which are tied to the position of various heavenly bodies, particularly the phase of the moon and the various types of eclipses. Many of these celebrations occur once per decade, once per century, or even once per millennium. Remember, they're elves. Right, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. The most frequent celebrations of Sahanin's faithful are held monthly beneath the light of the full moon, lunar hollowings. Uh, as such, holy days are known, are marked with personal meditation and collective entrance into a communal trance. 
On occasion, Sahanin manifests through her assembled worshippers, knitting together their spirits in a true sharing of minds. Such holy days are concluded with a joyous freeform dance beneath the moon that lasts until the first rays of dawn. I see. Okay. I, I always overestimate how long elves live. It's not a thousand years, right? It's more like no, 700. It's, it's more like, yeah, it's like 700 to a That's thousand. an old elf is yeah. like 700 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that 500 year mark, that's a big party, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a pretty like big Like when party. people turn like 50 or 60, they're like going yeah, hard for that I guess party. So. I guess so, yeah. That's that's it for that. <laughs> 500, <laughs> this is your last one, dude. Your legs are going to stop working. Well, that's the thing about <laughs> elves, though. They don't actually age. Oh, they yeah. Just, they just die this one day. This 500-year-old, 21-year-old exactly is out here yeah. partying. And he's still looking, got another 300 to go. Looking gorge. <laughs> looking so good. So sexy. Why? All my <laughs> organs work so nice. <laughs> Damn, an elf with bifocals? It's like, dude, how old are you? Like 900? Take those things off. <laughs> Once per year, Sahanin's faithful gather on the night of the Feast of the Moon for the mystic rites of the Luminous Cloud. You know, they really like their long names. Absolutely. They're, the namings here are like, you could tell they worked on this for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Similar in many ways to the monthly lunar hallowings, the mystic rites of the luminous cloud are notable for the visible manifestation of the Lady of Dreams, whereby the assembled worshippers are enveloped in a mantle of shimmering silvery light that then rises up and darts across the heavens. <laughs> that's got that's a crazy ride. That's a crazy trip. Absolutely. During such mystical flights across the sky, the sacred mysteries of Sahanin are revealed to the participants, with each participant learning secrets appropriate to their current level of spiritual development. The ceremony concludes when the nimbus of light returns to the earth and the forms of Sahanin's worshippers coalesce. This is literally why I stopped lucid dreaming. I saw some people asking about that in the comments. Oh, yeah? It was like, uh... Stuff like this. Yeah. Like literally all her worshipers <laughs> melt into one single cloud of consciousness <laughs> and zip about the sky having visions of enlightenment until, oh, the night's over. We're going to come back down, re, re uncoalesce into your forms, and now you guys got some extra knowledge. Last one, guys. We're going to fling you around real fast. Wow. <laughs> I'd put my hands up, but I'm just a, I'm just a consciousness. <laughs> when the time comes for an elf to leave the ordinary lands of mortals and pass on to our Vandor, it is common for the individual elf to spend several days in vivid daydreams and walking re reverie. Exactly when this happens is unknown to any elf, even to Sanin's own priests. It is, it is usually obvious to other elves when one is undergoing this change, but two marker events are, de de are definitive, indicating that the transcendence has begun. First, Sahanin sends in the elf a vision where they must go to begin this journey from the world. Second, within the lens of the elf's eye appears a telltale, opaque, milky crescent, the moonbow of Sahanin's honorific name. Okay, so that's where it comes. That's where it comes I from. Mean, I guess I feel like that was written later, but yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a shoe in. Yeah. Okay. When the time comes for an elf great in wisdom and accomplishment to depart, an accompanying accompanying full moon may display the moonbow as an event in nature. So the way that looks is like there'll be like a moon, and then there'll be like another half moon kind of on top of it that looks kind of like a bow okay on rare occasions at such a time other elves join with the one about to depart in a shared trance state sharing memories and knowledge in a direct telepathic communion known as the circle of transcendence it's cool that they can do that kind of stuff where because they were all one piece of coral on mm -hmm. you know like yeah they can just sort of 
coalesce into each other. Yeah, like they that. can connect. Yeah. In some elven cultures, this departure is a physical one. Uh, that is, the elf walks off alone into the wilderness, and his or her body is never found. Uh, in other societies, the elf spirit departs its material body, leaving behind a lifeless husk. In cases of violent or accidental death where the spirit is not utterly destroyed, Sahanin's priests serve in the stead of the departed spirit in the ritual of transcendence. I feel like there's a lot of don't don't worry about it, man. We're all just Coralon experiencing itself on this material plane. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Is that like a Paul McCartney? Eat uh... this mushroom, mate. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's something like that. It's, it's definitely a beetle. I like it. <laughs> A ceremony of recovery involves one or more days of meditation and mystic communion with the natural and spiritual worlds. If successful, the priest channels the lost spirit through their own link with Sahanin, enabling the spirit to transcend to Arvander, the characteristic moonbow within the lens of their eyes. Uh, but such manifestations of the ladies of dreams vanish immediately upon the ritual's conclusion. Elven funeral rites vary widely from community to community and from individual to individual, reflecting the nature of the departed spirit. Okay, that's cool. If the elf has simply answered Sahanin's call, as opposed to death by accident or violence, the death rituals are more often a celebration that the elf has achieved the joys of Arvandor than a time of mourning. Uh, elves weave protective mantles into the construction of their tomes or tombs. Uh, Sahanin is said to gather elven tombs to her bosom, and most are cloaked in enduring illusions designed to obfuscate their location and mislead grave robbers who would vi violate the sanctity of the elves interred within. Yeah, very clever. The Knights of the Seven Sacred Mysteries are well known for their service in defense of elven homelands from elven invaders. Um, as well as their ongoing efforts to retrieve tomes of long-lost elvish lore and in items of elven artistry from the ruins of fallen realms. The order is composed of elves and half-elves, most of whom are of moon elf or gold elf ancestry, and it includes many crusaders, as well as a handful of clerics, fighters, and rangers in its ranks. The order's entrance requires uh, requirements are kept secret from non-members, but it is generally known that there are seven tiers in the order's hierarchy and that it can take a century or more of faithful service to Sehanin before the next mystery is revealed. Are you saying this is like a troop that goes out and like collects relics of elven origin, mm -hmm. like from appropriators and colonizers? Mm -hmm. Yes. Hey, cool. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. Could use that in the real world. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Knights of the First Mystery are the lowest-ranking members of the Order, while Knights of the Seventh Mystery are some of the most powerful agents of Sahanin in the realms. The Order's preeminent chapter house, houses are found in the city of Ruith on Evermeet, the Vale of Ever, Evereska, and amidst the tangled trees settlements of the Elven Woods. Uh, the Sentinels of the Moonbow are a small fellowship of rangers pledged to the service of the Goddess of Moonlight. Sentinels watch over animals that may hold the reincarnated spirits of elves of ages past and that may once again assume elven form. These rangers in the service of Sahanin are also pledged to the tracking and destruction of undead creatures whose existence is a blight upon the land. Do not swat any bugs that you may see in this grove of trees, for they are my brethren. <laughs> Yes, I love it. That's they amazing. Did, is well, that like Hindu? They, they did a bad vibe in life as an elf, so now you they know, have to work their way back I up from like know. a cattle. It could be, but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> they are my brethren. That's hilarious. <laughs> the Veiled Choir is a mysterious sisterhood of elven mystics whose very existence is obscured by a veil of legend, mystery, and rumor. Sisters of the Veiled Choir are renowned for their prophetic ability, and their visions are revealed in an unending chorus of song. 
Only a handful of these ancient elven seers are believed to exist, residing in ancient temples of the Lady of Dreams, whose very existence has long been forgotten by uh, even elf society. <clears throat> For sure. Young elves, in search of adventure, often attempt to find the sisterhood's oracular redoubts. Uh, the reward for reaching a sanctuary of the Veiled Choir is always the blessing of the luminous cloud and a mysterious prophecy, the unraveling of which may consume the rest of the recipient's life. Goddamn young elves. <laughs> There's probably so many eye rolls from the elders. Yeah. It's like, oh, the wisdom of hundreds of years. You have it not. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, members of Sahanin's clergy favor silvery white diaphanous gowns and togas. A silver diadem is worn on the head, oftentimes with a moonstone pendant dangling above the brow. Simple sandals are worn on the feet, and a silver lace sash is worn around the waist. The holy symbol of the faith is a moon bar crystal carved in the shape of a small flat disc, approximately three inches in diameter. And such devices are often worn around the neck on a delicate-looking silver or mithril chain. That feels super Greek. Yeah, it's got a little Greek going on. Uh, so now we have made it to the fourth edition lore section of this episode. Hey. Here we will talk about Sahanin of the Dawn War Pantheon, who is, although very similar to the Forgotten Realms Greyhawk, Sahanin Moonbow, is a completely different individual from them. Um, Sahanin, for e, is an unaligned deity in the core pantheon, introduced to 4th edition in the Player's Handbook. Sahanin is sometimes known as the Moonbow or as Sahanin Moonbow, god of the moon and autumn. Sahanin is the patron of trickery and illusions. She has close ties to Coralon, 4e version, and Melora, uh, 4e specific goddess, and is a favorite deity among elves and halflings. Scouts and thieves ask for her blessing on their work, and her teachings are simple. Follow, follow your goals and seek your own destiny. Keep to the shadows, avoiding the blazing light of zealous good and utter darkness of evil. Seek new horizons and new experiences and let nothing tie you down. She's much more of a goddess of freedom in uh, 4e. Uh, Sahanin dwells in Arvander, the Verdant Isles, and the Astral Sea. Um, remember, 4e has a totally different cosmology. Yep. However, she is frequently absent, preferring to walk in moonlight in the mortal world, as well as wandering the whole cosmos. She opposes Asmodeus and Zahir. In the Feywilds, uh, Sahanin is the most prevalent patron among witches, who refer to her simply as the goddess. Uh, the Fearbolgs worship Sahanin as one of the three fates. Sahanin is the maiden alongside Melora the mother and Raven Queen the crone. The temple of the lady uh, in the Eladrian city of Astrazalian is dedicated to Sahanin, as is the Moonsong Temple in Falcrest. It's like Astral Australia. Astral Australia. <laughs> Sahanin's worshippers see her blessings in moon phases. The full moon shields the faithful from harm. A blade-like crescent bodes well for their attacks. And a dark moon presents opportunities to take what you will. Other omens sent by Sahanin are as follows. A blue moon means good omen, marks an auspicious uh, event. Red moon heralds bloodshed. Dead tree with a single gold leaf encourages hope. Uh, shadows moving on their own uh, heralds betrayal. A person who briefly casts no shadow marks a bringer of misfortune. An archer's arrow turns to silver, marks a bringer of justice. And a candle's flame glows with silvery light during prayer, marks a heard prayer. That'd be creepy if, like, they, the you know, scene changed. This person has no shadow. Do you notice? What a role. What a narrative role that yeah, would be. yeah. Priests of Sahanin oversee funerals, tell meanings of dreams, help with decision-making, and defend against undead. Wearing silver jewelry at night pleases Sahanin. <laughs> a quarterstaff is her favorite weapon, which makes us no sense but to me, but whatever. Also, <laughs> she has interest in the domains of arcana and freedom. 
for sure. Okay. And that, Brian, is everything I know about Sahani Moonbo. There's so much stuff here. There's a lot here. Thanks, patrons. Yeah. <laughs> it was good, though. I mean, Make like, I, work for it. The elf lore is thick. It's quite it's thick. It's the, probably the, some of the thickest stuff we ever get into. Absolutely. But it's, I, I love the flavor. Um, you can tell just like a ton of work went into this and yeah. there's so much detail definitely like a lot of games get played a lot of stories get written so nice good job on you too for compiling all that oh yeah no problem um with that being said i think we could get ready for long rest i think we should let's do it Hey everybody, welcome to the long rest. This is uh, as a rest as long as the lore we just covered. It's deep, <laughs> deep and full of moons, but not bows. Uh, hey, patrons, thank you guys so much for supporting us the way you do. Um, it makes a huge difference uh, in our lives and our approach to the show um, to have you guys around and participating the way you do. Um, it's It's pretty much invaluable to the way we do the show these days. So thank you guys so much. And... Um, much appreciated. We're going to shout out anybody that came in uh, after late January, it looks like here. So um, we got, uh, oh, if you want to, if you want to go jump in, go to patreon.com slash the dungeon cast and you can see all the cool free content or no, it's not free. It's literally not free. Um, <laughs> you can see all the content that is there. Will and I try really hard to take that extra time to make sure that there is content there. We um, go through you know ups and downs in that but we're do we're doing our best and it's only possible because you guys are so generous with your with your uh donations um we got nick aman thank you nick thank you for your upgrade we go woo woo black jester thank you black jester beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. black jester uh charlotte we don't have a we don't have a a tier in space I think that I think we should do like uh, we'll just say a tear in space, and you'll e you can echo okay, it. Okay, sounds good. Like a, Thank you, know. you, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte upgraded to a tear in space. A tear in space. A tear in space. Yeah, we'll do some stuff like that. Uh, Matthew Gano. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Uh, the half drunk bearded halfling who thinks he's a dwarf. Thank you, the half-drunk bearded halfling who thinks he's a dwarf. That's a big donation, and I'm not sure how to celebrate it exactly. <laughs> you, you've broken Brian. Uh, I've you broke me with your generosity. I'm in two pieces. Thank you, um, the half-drunk bearded halfling who thinks he's a dwarf. Um, they're drunk. They they put in an extra an extra digit into their donation. Oh, no, yeah, no, just kidding. Uh, oh, but they are an annual subscriber. Annual subscriber, don't you have to? Oh, there <laughs> Maybe I'm drunk. Um, it is Super Bowl day, so I might it be is. drunk later. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a football fan like that, but I Me do like to party. Either <laughs> we got Corey. Oh, geez, Corey Cremel Cremelmeyer. Thank you, Corey. Corey Cremelmeyer, um, who upgraded to the woo tier. Woo woo. Um, and famous, infamous, infamous. Thank you, infamous. Thank you, infamous. Don't hit that eye; it's not there. Enf infamous, infamous. <laughs> uh, we got Heath Stevens. Thank you, Heath Stevens, and an annual subscriber, Heath Stevens. Oh shit! Annual subscriber, Heath Stevens. 
Uh, and then we got uh, Javier Camps. Thank you, Javier. Javier Camps. Said, woo! 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 Thanks, Javier. Or maybe it's Javier. I don't think it's, it is, it's though. Javier. It's Javier. <laughs> you, never, you never know. You never know, though. Sure. Uh, th thank you guys so much. We really appreciate your patronage and really hope you're enjoying uh, the stuff that we're putting up there. Um, lots of Iliad and Beard content on the way for the tier in space, which is, is just a step up from our normal uh, like $5 tier. You get early episodes and you get everything. If you go to like a higher tier, you get everything in the tiers below it as well. Um, there's lots of people asking about FBATs. I am getting back to those uploads in March and um, you can go watch it on Patreon. Just uh, if you have any confusion, reach out. Somebody will get back to you. Um, please join our, pay our, uh, our Discord. Um, there is a patron um, specific channel in Discord that you get access to when you become a patron. So please take advantage of that. You can talk uh, episodes that come out early with us there. Um, and there's there's just a ton of stuff, man. Just go check out like the descriptions and all, all these areas. The notes below have a lot of information about all this stuff. Um, catch us on social media. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, or X formerly known as Twitter, on Mastodon or on Threads. Um, I think you did. You already plug the Discord. I did. All right. Well, you already heard about the Discord, and those those are the primary ways of uh, interacting with us. Yeah, merch is in flux, but cool things are happening there. Cool things so are happening. Keep an eye out. We'll definitely be announcing when our new merch line is available um, and where to find that. But for now, um, stay 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 chill, homies. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else? It's, do you want to drag and start it up real quick? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be about, um, at the point of this episode releasing about a month left of the backer kit being open. I'm going to go ahead and close it out at the end of March. So if you're interested in a space travel space theme, setting for D&D 5th edition. Look no further than Star Seeker's Guide to Drakenstar, a, a source book based off of our space campaign adventure, SuperQuest Saga. Um, it's going to have uh, space travel rules, space and starship rules, upgrading rules, um, a whole bestiary of alien monsters, an entire galaxy to explore, a whole bunch of new subclasses for every single class in the game. Um, 11 new, we're calling them species for sci-fi purposes, and also a species builder. Um, so if you have an idea of an alien species, humanoid or not, that is sentient and you want to play it, you can almost definitely build something very close to what you're imagining with our species builder. Um, and there's there's a ton of other stuff. There's an entire galactic treasure trove chapter. The art has been amazing. Um, so go to directandstar.com uh, and pre-order your book today. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram on Sound Good Inc. Um, I saw a really cool stained glass wizard holding an orb, and I took a photo of it and I posted it. But otherwise, it's like my turtle and stuff. So if you want to check out uh, Sally, the boy turtle, you can do that. Um, although it is the the cold winter, and Sally is hard pressed to leave the burrow at the moment. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 cold out there. It's cold for turtle. Um, but I've got a I've got a um, like a makeshift lean to with roofing tiles attached to it and a heater going so hopefully they're okay uh they are I, I saw them the other day but more stories when the turtle is more active is what i'm trying to say you can follow me on instagram to see that and that's gonna be it let's call it a game let's call it a game we'll talk to you guys later bye Dungeon Cat.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.